0: You know, there's a conspicuous trend occurring on our seminary campus. I mean, ever since I came to this seminary back in 2001, there's been this conspicuous trend where regular daily chapel attendance is on the upsurge. You see, present-day seminarian habits are corroborating very well with an upsurging trend of Gen Xers and Gen Yers... ...who seem to be very captivated by the more ancient forms of devotion and piety. And therefore, we seminarians, oh, well, we don't just come to one time a day chapel anymore. Why, now you can even come to evening prayer, responsive prayer, compline, and the rest... ...for a bedtime lullaby every night of the week, Monday through Thursday... Yes, holiness and piety are on the upsurge in St. Louis. St. Louis seminarians are becoming more sanctified. We're finally catching up to Fort Wayne. And you know, corresponding with this upsurging trend, I've objectively observed an upsurge in the number of sim guys and sim gals coming into chapel. ...laying down their burden of books... ...dabbing a little font water on their hand... ...and crossing themselves. Hopefully, remembering their baptism. What do you think about when you do that? I mean, I am certain you've learned many ideal things to think about... ...when you remember your baptism... But you know, it's kind of like when you come up here to Lord's Supper. You know your mind is supposed to be in the right place. Yet I'm sure that sometimes you find that your mind can tend to wander and float around. And you wish your mind was better anchored. You know, floating around and wondering about our baptisms this morning. Lucky for us, we bump into John the Baptist. Who's also floating around. That's odd. I mean, here is John the Baptist... ...the prophet of the Most High... ...ironically finding himself at the bottom of a dark, dank dungeon... ...floating aimlessly. And he's got to be down in there wondering to himself... ...how did this happen to me? You see, John the Baptist's life started out miraculously... He wasn't just floating around. His life was started out miraculously when he was miraculously conceived in the baby pool of his barren old mother's womb. And inside that womb, he hears the tender voice of Jesus' mother, suddenly feels the upsurge of the Holy Spirit in his life and leaps for joy in that womb. That baby is born and he is on his way with everyone asking, what then is this child going to be? When he grows up, his dad answers, he will be the prophet of the Most High, for he will go before the Lord to prepare his way. And it's off to the wilderness, the purpose-driven life on a strict diet and workout routine, becoming strong in the spirit surging within him. Oh, and then his time comes and he is on a roll. Rolling on a river. Seemingly in control of that upsurging current directing the flow of God's waters of wrath spewing Hurricane Katrina and the waves on those afraid to get wet. You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? But suddenly John finds that he is no longer in control of that upsurge anymore. Suddenly, John finds himself plucked up and plunged against his will to the bottom of a dark, dank dungeon. And you see, when you're held under in solitary confinement, your mind can begin to float around. Paranoia engulfs you. The panic is asphyxiating. You can only hold your breath for so long. I mean, it is not just cold and lonely down in there. But King Herod has no time limit... ...for when John can come up for a breath. Herod, Herodias, like Jezebel, wants this second coming of Elijah dead. And the jailers swirl... ...silently and stolidly like hungry sharks... ...ready to bite his head off. John's got to be down in there wondering... Is this the baptismal certificate you get? For being not just a prophet, but more than a prophet? Is this what you get for being the prophet of the Most High? Is this, what, is this how the Baptist is to be baptized? You see, John's problem, like ours, is one of floating aimlessly. He looks at his life and he realizes that there was a time when he was certain that he was on the upsurge of God's work in the world. But now finds himself plucked up and plunged against his will to the bottom of a murky pool of stagnant water. So what's he do? He does the right thing. He sends messengers to Jesus. But secretly seeking to be in control of that upsurge again in a way that is beneficial to him. Now you know, you don't tell the guy whose sandals you are unworthy to untie what to do. You don't dare demand, Jesus, come get me out of this murky hole. No, you tactfully propose, Jesus, are you the coming one? Or should we wait for another? Really insinuating. Jesus, are you going to come baptized with fire or not? Is the axe laid to the root or not? Is the winnowing folk in your hand to clear the threshing floor and burn the chaff, Herod and Herodias with unquenchable fire or not? Finding Jesus. John's disciples quote the Baptist verbatim. Jesus, are you the common one? Or should we wait for someone else? Jesus replies, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. Echoing Isaiah 35, The eyes of the blind are open, the ears of the deaf are unstopped, The lame man walks like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sings for joy. Now, Jesus isn't in the habit of giving unambiguous answers. But if John the Baptist can just remember his Bible verses from the prophet Isaiah, he can affirm, yeah, this Jesus, he's the coming one. This is the coming prophesied Messiah. He's coming And there is a shimmer of hope shining through the surface of this murky sea. Oh, but you know how the story goes. Jesus never comes for John. You know the story. Salome dances. Herod is tricked. Herodias gets her way. And the sharks bite with John's head floating to the bottom, sinking to the bottom like a heavy anchor. This is how the Baptist is baptized. He said so himself. He must increase and I must decrease. And John the Baptist learned this in the worst possible way. This tragic end to this tragic story makes me wonder about my baptism. It makes me wonder, could God allow that to happen to me? It reminds me of the heroes of faith. The great cloud of witnesses at the end of Hebrews chapter 11. Oh sure, there were many who by faith who conquered kingdoms, who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched raging fire and escaped the edge of the sword. All through the surging power of God's work in the world. Oh, but there were so many others who by faith suffered chains and imprisonment, who by faith were stoned to death, who by faith were sawn in two, who by faith were killed by the sword, who by faith were destitute, persecuted, and tormented, who by faith this world was not worthy, of whom were John the Baptist and so many of Jesus' disciples, to whom he said, Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? You will be. You see, even we, even we who are part of God's upsurging work in the world, who are called to go and baptize all nations, even we are obliged to confess with John the Baptist, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. You see, all of us, We can stand back there at the font and cross ourselves all we want. But we cannot choose our crosses. We can stand back there and dab little dabs of font water on our forehead all we want. But we cannot choose how we are to be baptized. You see, there are some days when your baptism may very well feel like just a little dab of font water on your forehead. Not too bad. Thank you, Lord. But then there are some days... ...when your baptism will feel like the stagnancy... ...and stress of parsing and resolving... ...an heiress, passive, masculine, singular, accusative... ...Greek participle and predicate position... And then there are some days, even worse, when your baptism will feel like your wife, your spouse, who finally exasperates to you, I don't want to be a pastor's wife. Some days your baptism will feel like King Herod has got you by the hair and is pushing you down from behind into that font back there, down into that water, drowning you and not letting you back up and when you're drowned and anchored to the bottom that's when you'll see that Jesus has baptized and anchored you to his death so that he will surge you up with him up with you hit with him in that current through that surface up with him to the top what will you think about when you leave this chapel today and you do this number at the font Do our minds just float around? Or do we see our reflection in that water? Reflecting on our sin. Our desire to be in control of our baptisms and so that they issue forth only in powerful positive ways. Confessing with John the Baptist, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. Confessing the way that God's river flows. That we are not in control of our life or death. But rather die to sin. And surge up to life in Jesus. As you flow out of this chapel. And into the world today. Amen.